0: And American generals choose their own, ensuring diversity of thought never interferes with American warmongering. How can we stand by and do nothing while our military kills and destroys lives the world over, while telling Americans that all this death and destruction protects them from terrorists when nothing could be more false?
1: Fortress on a Hill aims to
0: change that. Well, welcome everyone to Fortress on a Hill. Um, Have a really great discussion for you today. We're going to be talking with uh, Talia. That's the one thing I didn't ask before We started Uh, Talia Lugasi. Lugasi. Talia Lugasi, Okay. Um, And she is the director and co-writer of This Is Not a War Story, a film that uh, was just recently released that um, it's a very unusual, powerful film. It uh, tracks a ragtag group of combat veterans in New York, whose anti-war art, poetry, and papermaking keeps them together, despite the specter of their friend's suicide, and the ever-crystallizing fact that healing from war is sometimes an impossible mission. So, uh, with us today um, is uh, the director Talia. Talia, how are you? Uh, how are you doing today?
1: Uh, I'm well, thanks, Henry you know, hanging in there through pandemic times.
0: It's like everybody is just at hanging on the wire. Um, So Talia uh, co-wrote and directed the feature film Descent, starring Rosario Dawson, which premiered in competition at the Tribeca Film Festival and was released theatrically by Warner Independent. Despite an NC-17 rating, Descent was championed by the New York Times as, quote, essential to see, a vividness never seen in American film, end quote. Talia is a full-time assistant professor of screen studies at Eugene, Eugene Lang College of Liberal Arts, the New School in New York City. She is also a member of the Actors Studio Playwrights and Directors Union and began studying filmmaking at NYU uh, Tisch at the age of 15. She's directed numerous short films, as well as directed environmental PSAs with FRAC Action, Water Defense, Mark Ruffalo, and Food and Water Watch. So, um, Talia, will you please uh, share with the listeners uh, a little bit about yourself and your uh, background as a filmmaker?
1: Uh, sure. Um, I, I got into film... Uh... Pretty early on, I was basically just obsessed with film from the time I was 12 years old and, um, you know, just kind of went from one director to another pretty obsessively. Oliver Stone movies, Stanley Kubrick movies and the rest. And um, so I knew pretty early on that I wanted to make films. And I, I, I kind of uh, was gunning for NYU film school at an early age. So I I figured out how to graduate high school a year early. And then I I got in NYU early and then I got out of that early. Um, I worked on everything in the city that I could possibly work on I, I would basically walk up to a film set and lie about my age and my experience and get hired and, and, and learn learn stuff and was making my own short films um, at that time. so yeah I mean I, I basically just am kind of I'm kind of self-taught and just come from a, a, a real love of, of a certain kind of filmmaking I guess and I'm still pursuing that kind of... Kind of um, stubbornly, um, you know, trying to trying to kind of, you know, make films that 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 I believe matter and will stand the test of time. That's my hope, uh, in any case. Um, but yeah, that's, that's sort of my background. Yeah.
0: If you were to, um, were there any specific films that? you really saw as kind of the them- thematic origins of this were there any any things that you could point our listeners to that kind of gave you an idea
1: um film lies no this really came from personal life um you know i've i've been sort of contending with trauma my whole adult life and um, and it comes from a childhood that, I, you know, I've spent a lifetime trying to get a grip on. So, you know, I'm I'm. It, this film is is definitely there's a lot of film sources for this, but it wasn't so much the content inspiration. Um, like I would point to the films of Bresson to say that this is where I got, you know, ideas about actors and non-actors in the same movie. And how does that work? And, you know, how far can you take that? Um, but but the content wise, they're not very related at all um yeah I, I I definitely grew up with a fascination towards um, military culture. Um, I don't have any I, actually I do have a an uncle who's a Vietnam vet but I never got to know him very well and he died when I was a teenager um, but on my father's side of the family um, I, he, he he's uh, my father is Moroccan and came to this country in the 70s his family all lives in Israel so I spent a lot of time um, as a kid um in israel and i i didn't obviously know anything about the politics at that time i i knew that all my cousins and uncles and aunts had all been in the the IDF, and i I did sort of worship that and i I had a very early kind of uh, desire to to be in that and and it was the one sort of identity that i felt over time as i was dealing with trauma was the one thing that i could kind of cling to to sort of help me survive um so there's a lot i guess more personally going on with this than than, than uh, uh than uh, cinematically in terms of uh, references
0: yeah um so uh bring us into uh this is not a war story What uh what is what is the film about and um what was the experience like for you uh making it both as the director and as the actor
1: Cool. Yeah. I mean, well, the film to me is, is about trying to figure out how to live with trauma. Um, I, I definitely, uh, I haven't seen, and also this was something I found in the veteran community when I got to know people there, that they had also never really seen movies that depicted trauma that realistically assessed the fact that like you fucking live with it your whole life. It isn't something that, like, by the end of the movie, you're fine. <laughs> like, yeah. it's, it, it's never been my experience with it. And when I learned how to live with it, one of my realizations was it, it ain't going anywhere. You can learn to live with it. You can show up every day and do the things, but you, you're not going to, you know, you can't expel it from yourself. So so in in a way, the movie was was an attempt to, to portray trauma in, through that lens, which I felt like I had never seen before in a film. Um, and then also, as far as the experience making the movie it was it was absolutely life altering for me because I was I was pulling on these threads that I wasn't really sure that I had the right to tell the story that I that I really belonged here that I could do any of these things and 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 slowly but surely the more. Uh, veterans that I got to know as I was building this this narrative, it became clear that I had such a kinship and and it was and what I was learning from them through the process of making the film was how they've figured out how to cope and how their, you know, humor and their and their tactile art, you know, with with the paper making and whatnot were, were was it was a way to on the daily, you know, um contend with the demons and sort this shit out. So it was it was it was really the first time I had actually discovered a community of people that I liked being around and kind of a solitary type person. And I, I always wondered if there was a you know group of human beings somewhere that I might relate to and and I seem to have found them. So it was, you know the process of making a film was definitely quite a challenge um from start to finish about
0: um something i want to return to a little bit later but i just wanted to key up on it with what you what you just said that the we we deal with so many films and stories these days that um one what just what you said about that trauma is easily done away that you know it's like a course of antibiotics i, I dealt with it it's gone now i don't have to carry it anymore is yeah every day you you know and, and People need to understand that that it's it's something that it's like luggage is that it's you you bring it with you and sometimes it's heavier sometimes it's lighter but it's always there. But the other one, and I think the little more powerful one, is the idea that veterans are special. That my trauma is not something that non-military people can experience, and if they could, it's still worse. And 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 just that that continual dismissal of other people's traumatic experiences because they don't have the the title veteran um yeah i i want to i want to come back to that a little bit later but i just wanted to to mention that i thought that was a yeah. a very powerful choice on your part and those aren't certainly the only tropes about veterans about the military that you um you push in this film but the we'll, we'll get get to that a little bit too talk um uh, talk with listeners a little bit about The production process that the as opposed to having a, I would imagine, ordinarily truncated movie filming schedule, you broke it down into a whole bunch of little sections and let yourself go through it, you know, a bit at a time. That's good. That's bad. And then move on to the next thing. Please tell, tell the listeners a little bit about that.
1: Yeah, we had a very unusual um, shooting schedule arrangement, which I, I had conceived of well in advance, and so that everybody, all my key players, were on board with this um, crazy idea, but but sensible in, this, in the in the in because of what we had to undergo. So, the idea was to keep the crew as small as possible, um, kind of vet everybody, so that I knew that there wasn't going to be one person who was going to kind of upset the balance of the of the flow of energy sure. among the all of us. Um, And then basically divide the film into sections whereby we had at least two or three weeks, sometimes more, to to stop everything and reflect. And I could look at the footage if I needed to and make any changes that I needed to make. Um, And what this enabled me to do was to never have to do what's called playback on set. Playback is when you shoot something and then you immediately go behind the camera and you press play and you watch it back. It eats up a ton of time. It totally interrupts the flow, and because I'm acting in the damn thing, I would have to then watch myself and then jump back. In. It would be impossible. So like yeah, I had to sense, figure yeah. out a way. Yeah, it would. It, it just it was just it's too much mindfuckery, and and so I I I thought this is also helpful, not just in that sense, but also because I'm doing something that is unconventional in the sense that we have a script and we know where the improvisational pieces are going to be, but we don't necessarily know how they're going to go. Sure. Um, so I don't know how much I can rely on that. There was a version of the movie in my head where we didn't really use any of it. Cause I didn't, you know, I, I, I knew and I hoped, and I test, I did a bunch of test shoots and all these kinds of things, but you never quite know. Um, so this, I, I, I guess just from, my experience making films in the past, the one thing I, I valued more than anything else was time. And and the more time you have to to process what you're doing and and stop and reflect and, and look and change if you need to, the, the better the film is bound to be. Um, the 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 way you end up fucking up so much when you make a film is because you're in such a goddamn rush. Um, it's it's and it's so hard not to be in a rush when you're when you're making a film. It's just there's always a million things um, that you have to pay attention to and surprises on top of that. And so I thought if I can just build in time, um, we'll, we'll be able to do what we're trying to do here, you know, with, with sensitivity that the, the, the level of sensitivity that, that we needed to, you know.
0: Yeah. Um, <clears throat> there's, there's, a uh, there's so much mistrust that can come from trauma and especially when, Certain, you know, certain buttons, certain things are pushed. Um, Something that this film did that I I don't think I've ever seen done in a similar way um, is in addition to the personal trauma and the, the military trauma, there is the familial trauma. There is the, you know, the separation from family members who maybe didn't want us to join. Or they did, but they they didn't like what we did, or their own personal reasons for you know why they're choosing that, and that and that becomes an additional layer. You know, if 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 you have people at home that you trust, in my home I mean you know extended family, certainly too, it, it gives you a buffer, it gives you protection. Um, you know, my uh, my relationship with my wife has been something that's been very very healing for me because she and I have established that good kind of trust um can you talk a little bit about the film's exploration of of family issues and how how you approach that
1: yeah, absolutely. It was a huge huge part of the movie. Um it was very important to me to reflect the fact that, you know, the impulse to do something like like go into the military often happens because you you don't have that kind of uh support system that you come from or that kind of clarity with relationships or, you know, and I, I was really interested in the connections of that because because of my own experience and the poor choices that I've made or, you know, often because I I don't really come from that uh either. And and um so it was important for me to have these these family relationships in the film, but I also didn't want to be too overly descriptive about them because i I wanted to I wanted it to be present, um, but I didn't want it to kind of take over the narrative, um, in the sense that you understood too much informationally about what had happened. I thought it was enough that there was the implication there that the family was was disconnected and fragmented, um, and and that that you know led to certain choices um and 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 of course the inability to trust and the whole relationship between the isabel and will characters is about this can we even trust each other thing and and all of the tenuous um scenes that go on between them that's really what's at the heart of of all of those and and so they were you know in terms of the writing process that was the most sort of you know personal aspect of it for me was just that navigating the 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 trust there and and i um yeah. And, and, and what comes out of that? And they, they seem to, to find something between each other. That's the beginning of something, you know, which is, which is you know, good. <laughs> it's healthy.
0: Absolutely. Sorry. I hit mute there for a second. Um, I'll remember. Hold on one second. Um, oh, um, the I, I really did like those lighter touches with the, the relationships outside of the veterans that it was the story very much centered on them but allowed that family presence to be there and also is that you know it's not it's not um it's not always pretty you know your 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 brother's character in the, isabel's uh, brother in the movie seems to be very supportive or as supportive as he can be you know, but he, he absolutely cares for his sister, wants to be there for her, didn't seem to take the broken nose quite too personally, um, but but he's definitely there. And, and you can see that, you know, he, he does seem to understand where your lack of trust comes from, and especially the relationship with, with mom, you know, is that, that the, it, it, it's, you know, an entirely reversed uh, with, uh, with the brother and that's something you know like i I mentioned with my wife is that the the those those areas of distrust get compounded when you add in trauma it becomes that much more and and going to thanksgiving dinner is not nearly as simple anymore um and it, it really can can have a have a a significant impact on your life but i i thought it was great that it was you know that that it was. It was centered on the veterans, but you you understood where the family was, where other people and by and by family. I'm not just meaning family. Family, um, you know, wills wills co-workers um, at the the counseling center seem very you know very in tune with him. You know, he knows their fellow veterans and have have somewhat of an understanding of of what he went through. So you know, the, the family, you know, it it definitely extends to those good friends, those good co-workers. Um, you know, I consider them in in my family bubble as well. Um, so let's talk about um, some of the tropes that that uh, that you did away with in this film. You have um, Will is played by uh, Sam. I can't remember how to pronounce his last name. Um, Adagoge. <laughs> Okay. Um, Will is played by Sam Adagoge um, as the lead protagonist and it's centered on his story on the experiences of somebody who's a person of color who's who's black and had to survive whatever it was that happened to him, um, not only just in the the trauma potential trauma of being in the military, but of being a black man being a woman, um, you know, with all the, all those kind of things. Um, and then. Uh, actually moving on to that next part is that you have a, a female veteran as, as number two, you know, the next, the next uh, most centered person in the story played by yourself. And uh, it really, it really throws away a lot of the, of the ordinary tropes that we're so used to, you know, your, your, your character, uh, Isabel wasn't defined by being a victim of sexual assault. Uh, she wasn't defined as being a subject of pursuit by other men in the film. Um, And that includes not just Will, but the other veterans that you meet while everybody's uh, making paper that there's um, an acceptance there. Um, That uh, Isabelle and Sam's relationship, you know, it's not defined by sex. It's not defined by romance. It's not defined um, by any of those ordinary things that we seem to constantly and consistently uh, settle female characters with. And I I, I think it's awful. Um, you and I talked a little bit before we started. That I I'm uh, I was an MP. I served six years in the army, and I served with female soldiers. Female soldiers that were tough as nails. That you know were absolutely a part of the team. And and it was um, it was a bit of an odd experience for me because there were times like during my second tour where our female soldiers couldn't come with us. We were going to bases out in the Al-Ambar province, way out in West Iraq, and at that time, the Marines were in charge of it, and none of their combat or combat support um, personnel were female, and so they literally wouldn't let our troops come out there, and I, I understood that decision, but I was also absolutely enraged by it, you know, and because um, of my first tour, our 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 female comrades were with us the whole time you know they were there they fought in every battle that we fought in and they bring home the same kind of trauma that we have um it's yeah,
1: uh it was a huge part it, of that decision for me was was just the idea that like i i had to if i was going to embark on this film not i didn't want this female character to be defined by those things it was sure enormously frustrating for me to see in films in general um but then in terms of this experience the fact that the trauma comes from just the same exact fucking place that it comes from with other dudes it's mm-hmm. like it comes from that experience of being there and living it and and it isn't sexually related or any of those things that's all you know, you know what i mean so it was a very conscious uh, choice on, on on behalf of the story from the very beginning yeah
0: no i i think i think it's great i i I wish that that modern stories could be more nuanced and include some of those things, but they um, like you mentioned about trauma is that modern film does a really poor job demonstrating what trauma is outside of, you know, montages of people downing pills or, or stuck in bed, you know, just those kind of things. And they, you know, not that those things couldn't be included in the story if it helps something, but that's all we usually end up seeing. And, um, I think it's just it's it's absolutely irresponsible and ignorant of of that of of not understanding the the, all the different facets that can affect somebody's time in the military and and then of course become compounded that they you know it's like a stack of bricks that you occasionally add another brick on and have to keep carrying it um and so the last one and the one i you know i i mentioned a little bit earlier but it's it's absolutely um vital to me is that you know we we have to veterans are not special you know we we, we we want to really give them that special stamp and say what you went through was entirely unique and it, it's not it's not at all and the sooner that we can understand that you know that that veterans with with trauma can make common cause with ordinary people who don't i think people would have a much easier time both understanding trauma but understanding how the military creates trauma, how that um, there's all kinds of situations that somebody can find themselves in where they're not being treated as a full-fledged person. You know, they're the person person behind the gun or the person who drives the truck, but they're they're not treated with that respect. Um, but I, I think that it was, it did it wonderfully, it did a, a really great job of, uh, of trying to ignore those. And I wanted to ask you, um, What what was the experience like creating trust with the other veterans that were in the story? How did you as a both as a filmmaker, but as a person, how did you, you know, I know certainly they needed to become comfortable with you, but you as the new person, both in producing the film and the person in the film, you had to get used to them. Please uh, tell us about that a little bit.
1: Yeah, I mean, that took, you know, I spent a lot of time um with them prior to shooting. I think it was practically two years um, of very regular contact. Um, and, you know, it started slowly, but I I just, I was absolutely riveted by the work that they did. And then as I got to know them, I was, I, I have an immediate sense, like, I know if I'm safe or not. I know if I, you know, I, I at this point in my life, I have a very good, I think, internal kind of check system of, you know, if I should leave or not or pursue this or what. And, and I, all I felt was just like immediately they seemed so lovable to me. And so, understandable that I, I, I just, I could foresee a friendship and that's just not an experience I've had with a lot of people. So I, but it still went very slowly. And I I had the the idea that I wanted them to be in the film because there was at one point early on the idea that, well, I'll write these characters and, you know, these guys will help me kind of cast the right person and train the actors or whatever. But as soon as I started hanging out with them, I thought they absolutely have to be in the film. There's no way I'm not doing that. So I, I, I really just, kind of it was a process of allowing myself to be okay with this new experience of i really want to trust these people i want to be around them and, and to be okay with that feeling and allow it to happen and then to to reciprocate and 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 allow them to get to know me a little bit and 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 be able to trust me and i and i i kind of you know that that only happens over time it's just a matter of of continuing to to show up and to have the relationships and to be honest and to be and I was very upfront about, you know, my interest in trauma and this where the story comes from and, and just trying to do exactly what you're pointing out Henry is just the, the idea that like it's this universal traumatic experience it's not confined to one, um, you know, select group of people. Um, and I think the more that we separate ourselves and identify in a certain way, it's, it's not helpful. I, I, one thing that was very liberating about the experience was realizing that, like, you know, I'm not, I'm not crazy and I'm not alone. And there are people who had totally different experiences than me in the reality of their lives. But we have such a similar experience of life in this moment because of, of, of these traumatic patterns, so wherever the pattern may have originated. Um, you know, and it took me a lot of years and a lot of time to kind of, um, you know, live with and deal with and understand my own trauma and traumatic patterns as a, as a bodily situation, you know, how trauma just plays out in your body as reactions and, and to contend with it on that level. Um, but very early on, like, you know, whatever, thousands of years ago when I started therapy and I was learning about what in the fuck was happening for me. One of my therapists basically contextualized my childhood as saying that it was okay, it's PTSD, but I didn't quite understand what she meant. I mean, I sort of did. And she was like, Look, it's as if you had been in a war, and these are the things that result from that. And that sentence always stuck with me because I didn't know anything about that, you know. And I, you know, so her comparison kind of always sort of lingered in the back of my mind. And I think that I it's it helped me make these connections that many, many, many years later have kind of, you know, played out in in this experience, I suppose. Um, It's a very deep subject. Obviously I could talk for hours and hours about that, but that's the general sort of, uh, sort of picture. I think.
0: I have this quote, um, not, not so much a question, but just kind of an idea for discussion here that um, it's from uh, Tim O'Brien, the the things they carry Um, quote, A true war story is never moral, it does not instruct nor encourage virtue, nor suggest models of proper human behavior, nor restrain men from doing the things men have always done. If a story seems moral, do not believe it. If at the end of a war story you feel uplifted, or if you feel that some small bit of rectitude has been salvaged from the larger waste, then you have been made the victim of a very old and terrible lie. There is no rectitude whatsoever, there is no virtue. As a first rule of thumb, therefore, you can tell a true war story by its absolute and uncompromising allegiance to obscenity and evil. Now, the the evil part, although that you know yeah, there was was some very good discussion, and I really enjoyed the the um, the awareness of the characters in terms of their political knowledge. You know that that. You, you don't hear about burn pits very often in movies. You don't hear about accidental drone strikes. Um, you don't hear about starving kids in Yemen, um, you know, and, and the, these are very real things that go on in our world, but they get pushed to the side way too easily, especially in our, you know, veteran heavy veteran uh, worship that that is kind of just a, a quintessential part of being an American. Um, but I think that that is the the most important link and that oh, that does remind me, I think I remember what the question was. Um, it was a kind of about the the space in between being a veteran and being a citizen. And that this movie is the exact kind of example we need to help more people understand that that bridge that um, both that it is not unique, but, that for those veterans that do have that their experience needs to be allowed that space allowed that, that, that honesty, but we have to do it from the other side too. You know, you're a citizen, you've gone through horrible things. Well, you've gone through horrible things. You know, it's what your instructor told you is I think, I think dead on. And I, and we, but we get so wrapped up in, in our, our, cultural expectations of what veterans are supposed to look like and um most especially egregious something i talk with my my friend tom secker who's a frequent guest on our podcast is just the is the tropes is is the is the um you know trying to to seem too much the tough guy riding horses in 12 strong while shooting their rifles which never happened you know at all but but that ends up in a movie and those movies, you know, things like Black Hawk Down, Saving Private Ryan, they end up becoming markers for the people that see them and they're told, you know, told different things. And, you know, I was, there was never explained to me that I could come back with trauma that nobody can see, you know, trauma that I can't easily explain to my friends and family, Um, you know, and and I think that that's that's what they wanna do is they wanna like exactly what Tim just just mentioned in that quote. Is they, they want to give somebody uplifting, unearned uplifting feelings. Let's, let's put it that way. Is it, and, and I've had that, I've had that. I remember having that for the majority of my life watching Black Hawk down, you know, is that it was, it was horrible. And why did they have to do that? But Hey, they did it. Good job guys. Well, they didn't have to, and if they did why do we think that why do we think that they absolutely you know people have to go and and defend what we say is is the defense of our country it's really defense of the myth of our country it's not defending the actual country it's just um it's just bullshit that's what what it is sorry I'm, I'm, I'm um so um could you um Our podcast is supported in a few different ways. First, there's Patreon, where we're blessed to have an array of wonderful supporters, helping the guys and I pay for some of the podcast's expenses. Those who contribute $10 a month or more will be mentioned right here as an honorary producer, helping keep you, our listeners, stocked with new episodes. But you don't have to contribute $10 a month to help us. For as little as a dollar a month, you can help keep us going Paying for hosting and storage fees, transcribing old and new episodes, promoting and expanding the podcast, and more I'm sure I can't think of at the moment. So let's bring out our honorary producers, and they are Will Arens, Fahim Shirazi, James Obar, Adam Bellows, Eric Phillips, Paul Appel, Julie Dupree, Thomas Benson, Janet Hansen, tristan oliver daniel fleming michael karen zach h ren jacob howard reynolds why i am anti-war podcast scott spaulding kenneth Cordasco, korgoth and the status quo podcast your contributions are wonderfully helpful to us thank you so much however if patreon isn't your style you can contribute directly to us through PayPal at paypal.me forward slash fortress on a hill. Or please check out our awesome store on spreadshirt.com for some great fortress merch. The link is in the show notes. And now, let's get back to the podcast. Could you, um, is there, uh, you guys have a festival? coming up this weekend. Uh uh Cinequest? Is that the
1: Yeah, yeah. It's called Cinequest. It's out of Los Angeles, but it's it's virtual um oh, this sorry. year, obviously. And and so yeah, Sun this Sunday the 28th, um, you can watch the film and then there'll be a QA with um myself and um Eli Wright, who's a, a rock veteran and and one of the actors in the film. Um and pl- who plays himself, obviously, and also Sam Adagoke, um, our actor playing Will and uh executive producer, um rosario dawson so all four of us will be on deck for A. Q&A. should should be interesting i mean I'm, I'm i'm hoping that we'll we'll get into some deeper topics but it's as a film festival q a it's not going to dive as deep as you and i are, are attempting to do so
0: sure sure
1: appreciate a conversation of this kind
0: You know. yeah yeah no i will um i'll share that online that that's coming up and see if we can get a few of our our followers i'm i'm planning to yeah. to watch it myself and maybe i can inject a a question or two in there that's a little maybe maybe a little different we'll have to wait and see like you said it's a it's a film festival um
1: yeah there was a lot of uh, henry and what you were just describing that i would love to just sure no no go ahead on.
0: i'm sorry i didn't yeah yeah go ahead please um
1: there's so much in there to unpack and and you know it reminded me that one of the first you know, kind of conversations that I had with the the veterans that I got to know as we were preparing to make this film was obviously we talked a lot about movies. And so, you know, and it was interesting to me, one that like, so many of, of the veterans that I got to know are film buffs, which I just think is hilarious and great. And and it just gave us such a great point of entry. And we could talk about all the movies that we hated and why we hated them. And for all the reasons you're describing. And I, I just, um, you know, I, I, I it, there was one part of what you were describing in there that, that um, that, that called out to me that I, it was about the idea that, that there's this irresponsibility, I guess, with, the, with movies and the tropes that they present. And, and that's true. And I, and I think that one of the things that I, I was adamant about, you know, with this film, and also with my last film was that, like, it has to be done a certain way to retain the story and the reason why you see all these fucking tropes in movies all the time is because they cost so much money and you need so many producers and you need a studio and you need all these things to finance your film but at this point in time you know you can you can finance with such a smaller it's such a smaller scope and what that enables you to do yeah the work is a million times harder and you have to wear fifty thousand hats or whatever but but you have control over the narrative. Mm-hmm. If I had ever tried to bother raising real studio funding for this film, I never would have gotten it because they would never, put, you can't have the anti-war message wrapped up with the hero veteran thing. It's all, no. there's, there's a, there's a, there's a way to do things in that world of film, of movie making that just, you know, doesn't apply to the thing I was trying to do. And so be, because we stayed small, we were able to, to keep all of this stuff intact. Um, that's really what it it hinges on. There isn't somebody over over my shoulder saying you have to cut this out. You have to have them fall in love. You have to do this, this, that, and the other. And you know, that's do what the, it depends on. It yeah. is
0: for this demographic and do that for that demographic. And it, mm-hmm. and everything continually gets gets watered down. And you said it, it retains no validity, no no truth other than the some of the universal truths of of combat and and stories where people are put in, in horrible situations. Um, yeah. Yeah. but I'm glad, I'm glad you mentioned that, you know, the, about the, you know, the other vets being, being film buffs, you know, that it's, it's, we, we don't, we learn so much about military culture and about being in combat from those places. But what, one thing we, we don't do with TV, pretty much TV and movies in general, but especially, um, war movies is attempt to separate the the cinematic from the from the truthful, you know, is to really <laughs> dial down into what those are. And and it, it, Danny uh, Danny mentions this often, but I, it's one of the few philosopher things I re, I actually retain. So I I guess I can claim a little a little credit for remembering it. But there's a a thing that uh, a quote from Marcus Aurelius that talks about finding truth in something and about scrap scraping away all the layers is about you know pulling everything back and trying to find out what is really truthful what's really honest and um and i can see that you know everything that you've shared you know that the taking taking smaller steps in between shooting getting to know the veterans over a long period of time which you could tell that that you know you you seemed a little your character seemed a little uncomfortable meeting them but they were totally cool you know, they were like, hey, please, you know, and, and some of that, I think there's, there's, we all have presumptions, you know, we're not, we're not exactly sure, but we know the look. We know the look on someone's face, you know, that, that, that trying to, trying to find uh, a mental soft landing, just once here and there, you know, a few friends to listen, uh, um, and, and hopefully uh, some, some better support. You know that the, the and, and the movie I like I mentioned earlier, I think it did really well with that. I think it did really well blending both the, the family and the friend support to our veteran protagonists. I think they did a, re, a really good job, but they didn't make it about them. It wasn't about them. It was, but they were. You said it was a it was an honest inclusion of, of what that would really look like in real life. Um, aside aside from going to Thanksgiving dinner with the full table and arguing with grandpa, you know your, your, your war wasn't as hard as my war was, boy. Um, um, but that but, but yeah no so much of our, our expectations, I know my personal expectations when I joined the army were entirely shattered because I believed these different films. and it had certainly taught me that that you know war is awful. That you're gonna be put through things that you won't understand and you can't quite quantify to people, but um see I had a point. (laughs) Um
1: well I think I mean I have a similar like relationship to these war movies where like you know I would watch Born on the Fourth of July all the fucking time and Apocalypse Now and I love this shit. And of course it's just horrifying, but it's it's so intense, and it is just It, even in its most, in its its harshest depictions, it's still, and Tim O'Brien points at this all the time. You know, it's, it's just, it's scary to think that that's inspiring you to, to go do that. It's, it's, it's a crazy paradox, but it's very understandable too. It's, it's such a, it's such a human, I don't know. It's, it's, it's pretty human nature to, to want to, I don't know, do something extreme and test oneself or, you know, I don't know, but I, I definitely had that going on as a young person all the time, you know? Yeah. Um, Funny, it's, it's this kind of slightly off topic, but you've reminded me of something. <clears throat> In the process of making the film, I got more and more cognizant of the fact that like the structure of shooting a film is, you know, like the the veterans would kind of comment on this and observe it as we were doing it, but like the term shooting the film and 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 the whole kind of structure of the day and what happens at what hour and who's doing what everybody has their task and their mission and I love that shit and it was and that was one of the things about film that was so grounding for me that I embraced so much you know I was I was really hardcore about it when I started I would like sleep four hours a night if if I could if I could achieve that I I was working and studying around the clock and making films and I was really I was really into the rigidity of the roles of who does what and 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 I I climbed to that and it really helped me sort of function for a while and I, I think I embraced it to a fault. But it's just funny that there's a lot of similarities between how a film set runs and the necessary hierarchy and, and all of that. Um and, and and military culture. There's it's there's a lot, you know, I, I wonder if I if I thought through that a little bit more, I could come up with you know dozens of examples, but we definitely had a fun time during the shoot observing all of those things. It's 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 you know not a coincidence. You know, I think there's something to it. Anyway. um sorry that's a tangent <laughs> it's
0: okay it's okay it's okay um a friend of mine um i haven't talked to him in a number of years now but i, I served with him in iraq and he talks he had, i i know it's a quote from somebody else but about uh, the greatest game being man that combat gives you a high you won't find pretty much anywhere else i mean and and and, and it, it, it makes sense, you know, being near death, your adrenaline, your, your cortisol levels, everything that imp, imparts that into you. But it also makes you can make you an addict of sorts. And some of the movie tropes we're talking about feed right into that, that they, you know, that they, they show the good parts, ignore the bad parts, you know, not the we, we don't. You don't see friendly fire very often in movies. Like I mentioned earlier, burn pits, we don't see, you know, in movies. Um, we also don't see taking um, criticism of, of political leaders in terms of the war taken to that far of a level as well, that it would be it, it almost probably by some people it would be considered anti-American. I consider it very uh pro-american because it's honestly reflecting us it's not trying to live up to the myth it's saying we need to decide what's myth and what's and what's fact um but but we don't we don't talk about that that even if you don't get trauma even if you don't have any of these other things happen that you can come back a person who i know for me where the volume of life is just turned down It, it is it's it's you know that things that that might have previously been exciting really aren't aren't as exciting anymore and and it's it's hard to push yourself in that direction you know it's easy to dwell on the on the bad things but um mm.
1: uh yeah i i have i have a connection to that that i you know i don't talked about very much but it you know <clears throat> i don't mind Mentioning it, if it's relevant, because I think it's something that um, ties together the the combat experience in the very specific way that you're describing with you know the the sexual trauma, because um, you know f- one part of the trauma that I experienced was 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 that in my life early on, and it, it involved. Um, you know, an incestuous relationship, and uh, and it, and the fact of the matter was that there was a high that came with that because you know I was, I, I obviously not fully cognizant of the situation, but I but I was to some degree, and I and I understood that this was a secret and this was special and this was these you know and you and you get high on this thing that I'm doing some magical thing that no one's done before and it's so it's like and the problem was when it's. Over many years later, and you realize, like, relationships are boring, guys are boring, sex is boring, like all this shit. It's just you cannot, you can't even like a person anymore, because it's so dull. It does not compare to the astronomical fucking high that you have and that's sort of like so i don't it's obviously not the same thing that you're describing but there's an interesting i think connection there that that is maybe worth looking at for you know or just at least observing out loud because it's there you know it's it's such a part of the experience Um,
0: i i uh you know I i look back on my time in the army much more differently now but um that is one thing that i i know i'll have you know, for the, for the rest of my days, that it's, that there were moments that I, I did, I loved it, you know, I, I, I I remember feeling both the fear, but the high of of people trying to kill you, and it, you know, it really changes, I think it, 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 it changes your whole makeup, and you have to kind of, um, you have to come up with a different system, you know, something else, you know, in terms of, in terms of analyzing things, you know, in terms of, um, that a, you know, a, a relationship, you know, might've seemed fun, but for you, it's not, it, it may not be. And so you have to find, you know, acceptable to you metrics to feel, feel what that is. And like, for me, you know, in terms of excitement and doing ordinary things, I have to run, remind myself, okay, this could be fun. I actually could have fun doing this. It's, it's kind of worth it to get out of the house and, and do something. Um, but you do constantly have that, you know, that, that life turned down thing. And uh, the thing is, is that things don't don't shake you quite as much anymore, you know, that 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 even big life events can have, uh, you know, that there don't you don't react in the way that you thought you might. Um, Yeah.
1: Yeah. And what what fucking war movie puts that forward? You know, when do they show you that part? You know? Mm of martin sheen's experience in apocalypse now I, mean, I fucking love that movie but like you don't get to see that fact you know you don't get to see him and try to figure out how to deal with the fact that like he can't tune into life anymore and he can't even experience anything and anything emotionally or anything yeah. like your life disintegrates and you you know as much as you you know I, I, people don't talk about taxi driver as being a war film but it is you know Absolutely. travis nickle's a vietnam veteran i mean it's it's fascinating to see he's so solitary and he's you know so you get to see some of the, mm-hmm. the inability to connect with other human beings that goes on um of course it's not explicitly political at all um
0: no no but i i i recently saw a taxi driver for the first time oh. the, fact I, <laughs> the fact that i almost made it to 40 while not seeing it i'm, I'm sad i really am because i love robert de niro and and it it uh Aside from that and one other movie, I think that it, it, it did do a, a splendid job of showing how paranoia and mistrust feeds in. But the thing that I love the most about the movie was the um, that as he was about to become violent in a way that wouldn't have been acceptable to the state, one little thing changed his, his pattern. And he went and was violent against the right people. You know, we normal. you know, that we, when we get into, you know, being anti-war, we, we start thinking of almost everybody as being the wrong people to kill. Because either they're civilians and they had absolutely nothing to do with it, or they're people defending their country. And so, you know, you you, you kind of come to a point where it's like, we went to their house and tried to knock down the door and this is what happened. We should accept and understand that reality, but we, but we don't um but no you expected you expected in taxi driver you thought that travis was going to try to kill the senator and everything lined up everything was you know and then one little thing and that's the thing that people miss is that veterans and well human beings indeed that if, if that happens that it's going to explode where it explodes we're not certain, and I don't mean every veteran is going to explode, but that person in that kind of temperament and isolating themselves, finding people or ideas is the enemy, all that kind of stuff. Um, but I thought they did a really good job with the the, the paranoia part of that, the mistrust, and the um, and not sleeping. He talks about that so much, and I I do okay with sleeping these days, but I have so many friends that either sleep in terribly small chunks or they really don't sleep at all and 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 that it's a it's a really hard way to live life especially in combat when you when you need to to get some kind of sleep um but the other one i wanted to mention real quick and um was uh from heaven and earth oliver stone's third vietnam movie that the portrayal i can't think of the fella steve the marine corps the the staff sergeant that ends up marrying um I, I always it's, it's Li Lee or Lee Lai. I always mix up the order of how you're supposed to say her name. But, um, but you see, you know, he comes home from Vietnam. He's very clearly drinking a whole lot, and then and then just a little bit later, he he kind of dials it back, and you see it. It just all kind of comes out, and that's the that's the needs to be held within our idea of war is that, yeah, some people might come home okay. They might come home, seem all right, happy to be at home three, four years later. It's, it's it's and, and part of it, um, and it's some, something we haven't, we, we discussed a little bit, you mentioned it with, with working on a movie set, is about the creation of family in the military, or in your case, being on, you know, you're with this this group of people, some of them you maybe like, some of them you maybe don't like, some of them are just abhorrent to be around. But they're part of the the net. They're part of your your support net. And then one day, the end of the military comes, and you've been through the or or if you change units, it can happen. You know, for somebody's in the army a long time, this process happens over and over again. You know, they will go on five deployments. That's five different sets of military family that went with them, and each time there there's a loss. There's a and and I know that I felt it myself. Um, but we haven't. I don't think that we've even included that too. You know, to understand what that really does to people, um, over uh, over a long period of time.
1: Yeah. No. There's loss there. It's law, and and you don't. It's not like you have time to contend with it. You know, time no. to digest it. <laughs> just file it away, and it just becomes part of who you are now. Just more loss. You know, yep. never have time to grieve, and and so much time might go by that you don't even know what you're grieving for. You may not even make the connection between that experience of loss and grief with that actual incident you know,
0: having, you know. having um uh specific times of the year when certain mm-hmm. anniversaries of things come up and even mm-hmm. if you're not thinking about it you'll you know that a date will go by and be like wow that was such a fucking hard day how did that oh i totally forgot but yeah. Your insides—they don't forget. Mm-hmm. I mean, I—I I don't know what calendar they're following, but they don't forget. You—you you hang on to it, and, um, you know, yeah. and and, and it—it's. Uh, <laughs> sorry, I don't have a second thought there.
1: well no, I—I I, I think that the, it's like that. One of the things that helped me so much to start to deal with the trauma that I had was to understand it. Just what it was doing in my body. Just like to listen to what's fucking going on. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. And then I started to be able to cope you know but it really was like my body knew more about it than i did certainly you know and and just being able to like respect that and make the space for it and sure, and sure. not try to shut it down or sh- put it away or, or or tell it not to be there i mean shit like self-loathing alone has taken just years out of my life you know just like i shouldn't be going through this i should be better i should know what to do i should it's all that shit you know it doesn't but-
0: that 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 goes back to our 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 you know our predefined ideas about trauma you know that Mm -hmm. there there are quick fixes that there are you know a a couple a couple pills and and a little bit of therapy and you'll be you'll be good to go and it's it's not like that and and um yeah it's 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 just it's just another another thing we cling on to you know we want to cling on to the uh especially in america you know the the hardened man, the hardened person, but you know don't need anybody to help me through the day or wh- whatever it happens to be. And yeah, they're they're dumbasses. But
1: yeah, one of the things, uh, one of the first things that uh, one of the veterans I was working with on the film pointed out to me, um, Dave Keefe, he was so angry about the fact that all of these movies with all these tropes that you know I've been just talking about. One of the things that's so irresponsible about them is that once you depict trauma as something that can be easily fixed like that, then it lets everything off the hook and it's okay to keep sending people yeah. <laughs> into that situation. It's fine. Cause they'll be fine. Cause they're going to come back and they'll suffer, but they'll be fine. And so the, and so the cycle can perpetuate. And when yeah. I thought about it that way, I was like, that's okay. Then, then it really solidified. Like that's one of the fucking found foundational, you know, premises of the movie premise of the movie, you know, has to be in there and can't be tampered with because it's, you know, that's um you know it's something that that movies don't take responsibility for but that's going to look around at, at our culture of just we're just awash in media of all all manner of irresponsible stuff that we're being assaulted with on a daily basis and it's all just so damaging you know
0: i know the um you know the the film deals with with moral injury in a in a very serious but i think a very um fair way. And one thing that's interesting to me about, um, about our system here is that the department of veterans affairs acknowledges moral entry. They say moral entry is real, that it can really hamper people, that it is not just an element of PTSD or PTSD itself, but the department of defense does not acknowledge that. And so, you know, I, I've, I've been doing other research for, uh, just learning about some of the different uh, things that happen, in our biology, and in service. Um, what was it? What was I talking about?
1: The moral injury thread.
0: Moral injury. Um, um, that if an entire wing of our government, in fact, the biggest, most expensive wing, continues to pretend that this thing that happens to Americans, you know, even if we're able to put aside all the harm that we do to people around the world that between american troops coming back with moral injury of one one kind or another and then you also have um people that are there people that aren't troops you know civilians and contractors and stuff and and that's something that we don't acknowledge nearly enough is that when you know when contractors get killed or hurt you know that they have families they have you know but but they're in a separate column you know they're they're not they're not as valuable to us as soldiers that we can kind of wrap with the flag and so it's easier easier to send them. But but like what you mentioned about just in the cycle, just we're just gonna keep pumping people out, that there's deliberate um, I think that there's there's deliberate ignorance on their part to not see, you know, with that things that scientists and doctors are studying, you know, like like the uh, tiny concussions the guys can get from shooting machine guns. I mean, just, just the impact of it is enough to give somebody a a, a TBI, you know, to actually give them a, a traumatic injury of that kind. But we don't talk about that. We don't talk about people breathing in burn pit fumes. We don't talk about people um, dying in accidents of a variety of kinds, usually vehicular aircraft ones are especially ha- happen with, with quite a bit of frequency, but we, you know, it's just accepted. It's just, oh, well, that's that's the sacrifice for a free nation, you know, and, and, or however they want to coin that. Um, but we have to we have to force them to acknowledge the cost on us and that when we do that, when we when we're when we're able to get something as big as DOD to acknowledge something like moral injury, then we're able to more say, hey, even if you don't care about people over there, care about the people over here. If they're the ones that you're willing to wrap in the flag, then why aren't you protecting them? And, and and they're willing to do all that fighting with the VA to make sure that we have benefits and things. But um, Dan, Danny, my, my co-host, says it all the time. If you care about veterans, if you are supportive of veterans, you want to thank veterans, make fewer veterans. Send fewer of them overseas to do stupid missions. And, and you know, does does anybody grow up? uh wanting to become a sailor that dies in a massive collision of ships at sea because of incompetence and poor leadership we we don't talk about that in in uh in recruitment pamphlets that kind of stuff doesn't doesn't come out and all of this everything that's in this movie i think it's only fair that the people who join deserve to know it but you know it depends on a lot of life things you know culturally we all have different views on the military and sometimes you know the hardened guys are just like hey i don't care anyway anyways but um, it's much harder to ignore the pain and suffering of your own people than it is people that you you feel have no agency. And I, I'm, I'm please don't misunderstand me. I'm not knocking the agency of, of lots of people around the world who have been victimized by military operations in one way or another. But um, that's where it's. I think that's where it starts for most people, where the anti-war type of yeah. thinking moves in. Is that okay? Well, this is this is not the way the troops should come home. This is not. You know, how are they supposed to have their lives? How are, you know, we are on the podcast, we talk a lot about the the tradition of the citizen soldier. How do you return to being a citizen carrying all that with you? You know,
1: our culture doesn't have that institution, right? That that kind of ritual of of integration. No, no. Right. I mean, yeah, that's um, it's interesting. It's what you're describing made me kind of remember when I initially Years, you know, started writing this. I, I immediately what I gravitated towards was was you know I would just kind of plant myself in the library and get a whole giant mountain of books, all that I could find that were personal accounts of people who who were in the in Iraq specifically. So I was thinking like, okay, is this, what is this? You know, this is, there's two conflicts right now. There's Afghanistan and Iraq. And I immediately went towards that one because to me, with my minimal understanding of what the fuck was going on there, that seemed to me Objectively, so wrong. Like, okay, that you going to Afghanistan sort of made some sense after nine eleven. Kind of like I, 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 that whole period of time for me was disastrous. But I understood, like, I was interested specifically in the experience of somebody who was engaged in in that particular occupation because as a civilian, that's what um, it stood out to me as being like. Well, how do you stomach the the look, the wrongness of that, right? Um, uh, you know, and. But I, I, yeah, I don't know if that makes any sense, but that was my, you know, because it just, because that invasion seemed so, you know, just fucked from the beginning. Like, it's just such a fucked idea, you know? Um, and, and you know, to talk to, you know, f- people who have even less of an understanding of the situation than I did, thinking Saddam Hussein had something to do with 9-11, all this insanity, like, such propaganda bullshit you know and and but at the time you know when it was happening you of course couldn't say that you there was there was such a, a backlash against um speaking out but um you know over time it became possible to do um but anyway that was i don't know how that but it, i think that that's the moral injury thread it was in the very beginning it was my my kind of what is this thing you know it was it was specifically about Um, that experience and and suicidal ideation in relationship to that you know
0: uh george w bush made a i don't want to call it interesting it's morbid and fucked up but he he made a choice in the very beginning of the iraq war to forbid um any filming of returning troops of dead of dead troops and that was was a you know an incredibly powerful and moving image from the Vietnam War was the sight of of the dead coming home and being you know literally you can look in the in the shot and see however many coffins and so you know in in line with the idea of DoD just completely disavowing it that someone may you know made the very conscious choice to remove that from our ability to have a discussion and then you also have newscasters who some of them, I think, are, are doing a, a, a little bit better on, on the critical parts of it. Um, but that, you know, Walter Cronkite was the guy that started saying it on the air every single night. This is the hour of many, many number 122nd day that we've been in Vietnam. And this is what's going on and um, really hammered that home. And we don't we don't see any kind of that journalistic courage anymore. Um, in that way. But, but going back to, to, to Bush's choice is that there are people who firmly understand this, who firmly understand how messed up troops can come home um, and, you know, their, their propensity for violence. You know, I don't think, I mean, percentage-wise, it's, you know, not a lot of veterans, I think, are, are overtly violent, but I think a lot of them are, can be very close to that line. You know that, that we see what happened with the, what happened at, uh, in the Capitol on this on January sixth, um, but I also think those guys are looking for meaning. They're looking for that return to the military family, the the cinematic, the the you know the production family. They're looking for a, a meaning because they they felt that they had a great amount in the service, and they're they're trying to return to it. And you can't I can't blame them, but the reality is is they don't even comprehend that these these things are happening they don't comprehend what they've been robbed of and they're still putting their trust into you know u.s foreign policy writ large which is just absolutely asinine but we don't talk about it you know i don't i i i don't want to give people a pass for being so ignorant but at the same time if ignorance is a staple of your culture as it kind of is for being an american you know we we can't have people wearing covid masks our freedom is at stake um that it's uh you know it really it really changes the calculus um and i hope that that can change i hope that over time you know i i the other day i saw jake tapper on cnn talking quite honestly about yemen you know i don't know how many times he's done that in all the years he's been a journalist i know there's been other times where i was like now nah, that's full of shit man but um you know, yeah. I, th- I think we, we have to get over that hump of, you know, we, it's kind of like Trump and knowing that the more you hear the lie, the more the lie sinks in. And I think it's the same with with military culture and with those, those kind of tropes. Um, Talia, I think that is a, a great place for us to wrap it up for today. Um, will you uh, remind the listeners again about the festival this weekend and uh, share with them anything else you have uh, coming up?
1: Uh, sure. Yeah. Um, so this is not a war story. Um, you can watch it on Sunday, March 28th. Um, I think it should be playing for for 24 hours that day and possibly into Monday, but there'll be a Q and a, uh, with myself and veteran Eli Wright and actor Sam okay and executive producer Rosario Dawson. Um, so I think you can find that just at cinequest.org. Um, just you Google cinequest and this is not a war story and it'll come up. Um, Yeah, and for other news about the film, you can just, you know, keep tabs on either me, I guess, I'm not totally social media illiterate, but I'll occasionally post something about where the film is at, if there's something to say. Um, Or uh, the company, my company's website, which is acousticpictures.org.
0: Do you, I mean, this may be way, way too early, but do you have any thoughts as to what your next project might be?
1: Well, yes. <laughs> um, I've been writing um for a while in this quarantine. Um uh I've been writing a lot, but I I, I it's kind of yeah, too early to talk about what what it is. That's um, okay. But um yeah, I'm I'm definitely kind of gunning to make another film hopefully sooner. I have it take a, a bit of time. To,
0: to... Yeah, no, I I imagine it's definitely time for a vacation of some kind. <laughs> Especially with especially with COVID. You get two vacations. Two vacations. One for the movie, one for COVID.
1: Well, yeah. That, it's been it's been a grim year.
0: Well, Talia, thank you again for uh joining us today. And uh thanks thanks listeners for uh being with us here and we will uh, catch you all again next time.
1: Well, thank you, Henry. Thanks for having me.
0: Yep. Take care, Talia. Bye. We're on Twitter at Fortressana Hill and also at facebook.com at Fortress on a Hill. You can find our main blog page and our full collection of episodes at www.fortressonahill.com iTunes, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Patreon, Spotify. You name it, almost anywhere you listen, we're already waiting for you. And hey, we're always in the market for more Patreon supporters. Please consider becoming a patron at patreon.com. And if you're not into giving us a monthly payment, think about giving us a couple bucks on PayPal. The link is in the show notes. Skepticism is one's best armor. Never forget it. We'll see you next time. And listen to my song I hope you'll pay attention I will not